John chapter 19. While we're turning this morning, let me ask you a question. What are things that you really admire about other people? What do you think about, um, or when you think about it, do you, for example, admire a wealthy person that never worked a day in their life? Or do you more admire the person that started out in the mailroom and worked their way up over 10 or 15 years to become the CEO of the company, right? Working hard, going to night school, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, do you admire someone who never seems to have any problems? Or someone who perseveres through the difficulties of life, that hangs on, holds on, until they overcome? Do you admire the one who bends the rules to get ahead? Or do we more admire the one who does the right thing even though it costs them something? Somebody whose integrity is not for sale. And how about when it comes to faith? Do you have any faith heroes? Right? Maybe, maybe, maybe people, you know, that, that post-Bible people, uh, hymn writers and, and, uh, reformists and people, you know, who translated the scriptures, uh, to their own peril, right? Missionaries. How about Moses or Esther or Paul or Mary, right? Others that we've read about in the scriptures who trusted God even when all things seemed maybe hopeless or who committed their lives no matter what the cost. Faith heroes, people that inspire us, right? That's why we admire these kinds of people. They inspire us. Not, not only inspire us to be better, but they give us hope, right? They did it. Maybe we can do it too. One thing all of these people have in common, however, is that, you know, it's never a straight shot to success, is it? Life is full of ups and downs, and sometimes the downs outnumber the ups. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Well, here in our next section in John, what jumped out at me kind of surprised me a little bit as I was going through but it's just that kind of situation looking at real life, looking at decisions that are made, some good, some not so good. And so as we look at life here this morning, maybe, uh, maybe there's something in here that will speak to all of us. I know it will. One entitled the message this morning, A Legacy of Faith. John 19, beginning at verse 38. It says, after these things, after what? You know, we've been talking about the, the Passion Week. Now Jesus is crucified. He has died upon the cross. It is finished. And if you didn't catch, I've heard a lot of good comments about that message, not because I did it, but because it's the Word of God. Amen. Uh, but just to know it is finished, that his final work on the cross for us is done. There's nothing that we have to do to earn God's favor. It was all done on the cross. Get a hold of that message online if you didn't hear it. But uh, so Jesus dies on the cross. And after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. 
So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. That's a lot. So they took the body of Jesus and they bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in that garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Again, we kind of talked about that last part last week. This was the Passover. They wanted to get Jesus and the other criminals off the cross and get them out of the way because people were flooding into the city to celebrate Passover. And this was the tomb was there. It was close. And it actually belonged to Joseph, Matthew tells us. So we had talked about Nicodemus, who's also in this account uh, in John chapter 3. But here now we are introduced to a man named Joseph from Arimathea, which Luke tells us was a city of the Jews. John tells us that Joseph was a disciple of Jesus. Now, a disciple, whom we've, we've talked about many times before, is a student of a particular teacher, okay? Um, but it's more than just a classroom kind of thing. I had a lot of teachers growing up, you know, grade school, high school, etc. And they, they didn't really mean a whole lot to me. They gave me information that I needed to remember so I could do pretty well on tests and get decent grades, and that's all, right? Some of them you remember more fondly than others. But uh, a lot of it for me was just memorizing facts so I could get the job done, so I could have summer vacation. Uh, yeah. Oh, well. Um, but a disciple finds in their teacher something or someone to admire, right? Someone that they want to be like. Finds in their words something that resonates with their heart, right? Truth. That, that, they, that they resonate with truth that needs to be uh, absorbed and applied into their lives. And we can see from this short text that there were different levels, if you will, of discipleship. Those who followed very closely and openly, and those who followed more from a distance. Joseph of Arimathea followed from a distance, secretly, John says, for fear of the Jews. What's that mean? Well, Matthew tells us that Joseph was a rich man, which might not mean a whole lot in and of itself. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. Uh, scripture's full of wealthy people who loved and served God. No, no, no big deal. Um, but Luke also tells us that Joseph was, quote, a member of the council. That would be the Sanhedrin. Okay, a little, little, uh, info for us this morning. According to the Tyndale uh, Bible Dictionary, the Sanhedrin was the supreme judicial council of Judaism. Had exactly 71 members, right? They were located in Jerusalem. The origin of this group, and I will just paraphrase it quickly, probably dates back to Israel's return from exile in Babylon. Okay, they were there uh, for many, 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 many years. Um, and they had no king when they came back. So this judicial body of people came together, made up of nobility, right? The upper crust, if you will, of society. And the priests, who from the days of old, uh, Moses had given them authority to govern. 
So this huge group, this council called the Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin uh, came together uh, and were the ruling body in Jerusalem. So Joseph served on this council, the same council that had just tried and condemned Jesus to death for blasphemy. Although Luke tells us that Joseph actually was a dissenter, right? He voted against that decision. Nonetheless, as a whole, the council condemned Jesus. As a whole, they did not believe in him, right? They had no admiration for this man. They felt he was a troublemaker. They felt he needed to go away. Um, undoubtedly influenced by the Pharisees. We've talked about them many times. The Pharisees, uh, there were Pharisees a part of the Sanhedrin, and they were a very powerful, very influential group, especially in the religious realm. Um, they, they, they were the ones who knew the law, kept the law, strict keepers, so the people held them in high regard. And they had no time for Jesus. We read through the Gospels countless times. They're trying to trap him in his words. They're coming against him uh, over and over and over again. Jesus often uh, pointed out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. They thought they were all this righteous thing, right? They did this right and this right and this right. But Jesus said their hearts were not right. They were like whitewashed tombs. They, they, they did things, but, but for their own motives, for, for greed and, and envy and lust and had all that going on in their hearts. Jesus says, you're doing it outwardly. You look spotless, but you still got problems in your heart. They didn't like that, right? Nobody likes it. How many, how many like to be told that they're, uh, you know, got, got issues and doing things? Yeah, none of us, right? So they had certainly a huge influence on this group. Uh, the Sanhedrin. Um, so Joseph is rich, and for lack of a better term, he's a politician, and he's serving in a party that didn't like Jesus. So can you kind of get the picture here? Right? But the Bible says Joseph was a disciple. So then he was one who did admire Jesus and his teaching. And we see here, uh, as, as far as Joseph's actions, he really did a good thing, didn't he? He, he? he used his influence. He obviously knew Pilate. Pilate knew him. He went to Pilate, asked for the body. And instead of Jesus being th basically thrown in a common grave with the other criminals, uh, Joseph... Uh, Matthew tells us it was his tomb, right? A brand new tomb carved out of rock, very expensive, and Joseph gave that to Jesus out of his admiration for him. So he does a good thing here, right? But while Jesus was alive, Joseph didn't acknowledge him publicly, right? Joseph didn't say he was a believer. He didn't use his influence to help anybody else to believe. The Bible says he was a secret disciple for fear of the Jews. In other words, he had to keep it under wraps because, well, because the cost might be too great. He might lose friendships. He might lose position. It might even, all of that might affect his ability to maintain his wealth and his lifestyle. 
So he followed Jesus, but on his own terms, making sure that that Jesus thing didn't rock the boat of life. So you and I, from where we stand, we might say, well, if Jesus was and is all that the Bible says he is, why would any of that matter? Why would his wealth, position, and stuff matter if Jesus was and is who the Bible says he is? We might even say, how dare he put those things in front of his full devotion to Jesus Christ? And yet even as we say that, with the one finger and the three fingers pointing back at us, I wonder if we've got some thoughts going on like I did this week. How many of us at times have put our own wants and preferences above our full devotion to Christ? How many of us at different times did not acknowledge our own faith publicly for fear of what others might say or do? How many of us at times have compromised, didn't follow, didn't do what Jesus said, didn't bring him into decisions in order to fit in or be liked? Now here's what I don't want to do this morning. I don't want to put us all on a guilt trip. Because as, as you've heard me say before, guilt is a great motivator short term. But overall, it's a very terrible motivator. And God, God is not one to put people on guilt trips, right? That's not what he does. We talked a bit before about conviction versus condemnation. So we don't, we don't, we don't want to get into guilt. What I do want to do is to go back just a couple of minutes, rewind the, rewind the tape a little bit, and, and say... And, Go back to where we were with Joseph a couple of minutes ago and say, if Jesus was and is who he says he is, why would any of that matter? Why would Joseph feel the need to protect what he had if Jesus was God Almighty? <laughs> right? If, if friendship and acknowledgement of Jesus brought the blessing of God into his life, a relationship with him that was not only for this life but in eternity, why would he feel the need that he had to grab hold of, you know, right? And likewise, for us, if as believers in Christ, we have the almighty sovereign God of the universe on our side who promises never to leave us or forsake us, to ultimately bless those who trust in him. Why would we not give him everything, our full devotion, our whole life, right? Not out of any kind of guilt, but because of faith in who he is. Because he is everything the Bible says he is. He is the very Son of God. He is the one who, who made it possible for all who have sinned to find not only forgiveness, but everlasting life, right? The favor of God. He is the one who opened the door to a new relationship of God with love 
right? God's grace, God's favor upon us. A relationship that throughout life can give us peace and wisdom and hope and opens up to us all the promises of God for those who believe. Promises like this. Psalm chapter 9, verse 10. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. He will be that light unto your feet, that lamp to your path. He'll lead you in the right way. He'll make, the. how do I do this? It looks all crooked. And No, he will make those paths straight. And can I say, I, I, I just appreciate my wife's um, lay leader this morning. You know, I we, we, we kind of set aside that time to say, what's God doing in your life? And it's great, and, and, and we do want people to, to come up here and to say, this is what God has shown me, this is what God has done in my life. And it's, and it's easy to look back on something and say, this is how God got me through it. But I also appreciate so much when people will stand up here and say, you know what, I'm looking forward to my miracle. I'm looking forward in faith. I'm holding on to God even though it's not easy right now. Because there's a lot of us going through things right now that aren't easy. Right? Who can be motivated in faith by other people that say, I'm standing, I'm holding on. So let's hold on together. Amen? Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. If God is in charge of our future, why would we want to take that away from Him and manage it ourselves? Right? Proverbs 29.25 The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. How many have been... I won't ask for hands. Some of us have been caught in that snare. I have. I don't want to make waves. I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't want to say this, you know, for fear of what... And then you lose an opportunity maybe, maybe to share Jesus with somebody, to share His love with somebody that you, you just... Well, I don't know how they're going to take that. Next thing you know, they're in a car accident and it's all over and I didn't get a chance. And I don't know where their eternal soul is. Right? The fear of man lays a snare. Fear of man can get us to compromise. Been caught in that. Right? Compromise what I know the Lord wants me to do, but i got to go along with the crowd and get in trouble. <laughs> Amen. Fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Matthew 5:11. I like this in the Amplified because it, it defines this word blessed. You know, blessed are those. What does blessed mean? Happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous. 
are you when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely on my account? Be glad and supremely joyful, for your reward in heaven is great. Yeah. Let's be honest. It's not popular to be a Bible-believing Christian in 2022 in America, is it? And I dare say, until a broad revival comes that I'm praying for, and hope you are too, it's probably going to get worse. It's probably going to get worse. But it, who, who, who are we going to trust with our future? Psalm 91, beginning of verse 14. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him and her because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Right? When we put it in the Lord's hands, look at his promise to us. He will be with us in all that we go through. He will not only protect, <laughs> he will honor us. He will do a much better job than us trying to protect and hold on, right? All of these promises. And though he is King of kings and Lord of lords, hey, Jesus is the best friend you and I can have in this world. Amen? So, it all comes down to this. Being a secret Christian or leaving a legacy of faith, perseverance, holding on to the Lord, being not ashamed, but clearly, I am His disciple. Putting it all out there, trusting our lives. To him. Because really, I mean, think about it logically. Are we going to trust our well being to other people? To the crowd? Are we going to trust it to ourselves? Oh, we want to think so, <laughs> right? I'm going to manage it. I'm going to keep it here, keep it all. So, how good does that really work? Right? How's that working for you? Or are we going to give it all and entrust our lives to the one who gave his own for us, right? And rose again to be king of kings and lord of lords, not only in this life, but in the one to come. I want to have a prayer. And, and I hope in this prayer, as, as we've heard the Word of God this morning and His promises and who Jesus is, I hope that we can make a decision. As the song says, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. I hope we can do that. That's what altar calls are for, you know, to make a decision for Jesus. But I hope that we also take these things and go home and ruminate over them and really think about it. Really think about who is Jesus to me. Am I a true disciple of his? 
out in the open, come what may, am I entrusting my life to him? And prayerfully work through those decisions. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, you are everything the Bible says about you and more that we probably can't even handle that you didn't even put into your word for us. You are the awesome God, creator of the universe. Certainly, you hold it all together, your word says. You let go of it, we're all in trouble. I, I think of the words in Revelation where it says, and in the, in, in the sky will roll up like a scroll when you take your hand off of things and it's all melted in fervent heat, Peter tells us. One day, you're going to let it go. And then you're going to bring us a new heaven and a new earth forever and ever and ever. Certainly, you can handle our lives as we put them in your hands. So, Lord, I pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us. But, God, I, for one, want to say, I want to let go more today. I want to let go of what I've been holding on to. I want to give it all to you. I want to be open. I want to be a true disciple of yours. And I trust my life into your hands. Be glorified, Lord, in us as we leave a legacy of faith to light the way for the next generation. We thank you. We give you the glory. And as our heads are bowed, our eyes closed this morning, the big question, have you ever received Jesus Christ personally as your Savior? Have you opened up your heart and said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've fallen short, but I want that promise of salvation. I want to know you in my life. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. And if you've not told him that personally, whether you're here in the house this morning or online listening, I urge you, let today be the day. Do you hear him knocking on the door of your heart? He said, if you'll open that door, I will come in. Just take a moment and say, Jesus, I open that door of my heart to you. For you to be my Savior and my Lord. Come in, Lord. Help me to know you, to walk with you all the days of my life and into eternity. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for who you are. Be all that in my life and more. For your glory. And in your name I pray. Amen.